Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Welcome to Fruit Pursuit Episode 7, where we're going to talk about kindness versus scared crazy. We're going to talk about two ways that we scare ourselves to death and why it's so unnecessary. Listen, do you ever wonder why you find yourself wanting something different, longing for something new, and yet when it boils down to the moment, you absolutely freeze? (laughs) Well, I want to tell you about when I think about freezing, I in a scary moment like that, I think about when I was a kid, I was probably six or seven years old, and I was terrified of the dark. I had seen a little clip of a movie on on, on the television, just one scene, and but it was a it was a murder mystery thing, and it was enough to scare the fool out of me. I didn't realize that I had been scared, but it really left an impact on me. And as a result, for years and years, I actually had a fear of the dark. I would think about that particular scene and what would happen to me if the thing got reenacted in my own room. In fact, I didn't ever want to sleep without a light on. I didn't want to, and if I got really scared, I didn't even want to get out of the bed to go talk to my parents or to tell them that I was scared. So I'd sit, I would lay there with my nose barely out of the covers and just scream at them to the, in the other room for them to come in there and see me because there was no way I was getting out of that bed. Somehow, I don't know, the thief couldn't see me or something, (laughs) but I would say when I think about scaring myself to the point of being frozen, that's the scenario that comes into my mind of that being that child that is that knows that I need help and yet being completely incapable of moving my body to go get the very help that I need. You know, the thing is, is that as adults, we do this to ourselves in a similar way, just different circumstances. Sometimes we scare ourselves because of we, we, we take something else and we apply it to the current situation. And then now we're scared all over again. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew that the only way you were going to succeed was to do something uncomfortable? And so you squirrel around trying to avoid it hoping that there's an easier path that's going to come along. Well, I certainly have. I can tell you for sure that I have done that many times. So today I'm going to let you in on a couple of secrets, how we scare ourselves crazy and even a bigger, bigger secret of how we sometimes do it on purpose. Now you're going to see the connections between kindness and the scare crazy thing, but I just want to give you a disclaimer right here. Story disclaimer about telling stories when I was growing up is other people have their own versions in my family 
which may or may not line up with my version. So if you go talking to a family member of mine or you know somebody in real life with me, listen, I'm doing the best I can with the memory that God's given me. And I think that the points will ring true whether or not uh, we all agree on the details. But I'm going to do my best. So the first thing I want to talk to you is about a, a time when I was a teenager and my sister uh, was learning to ride a bike for the first time. How many of you have ever taught someone how to ride a bicycle? Well, I got that opportunity when I was, oh, let's see, she was three. And so that made me hmm, 12. <laughs> um, and how do you go about teaching a person how to ride a bike? Well, most of the time, you would take them out there, you show them what to do, you get them on the bicycle, you kind of hold on to the back, and then you kind of run along behind them, hoping desperately that you can keep up with them while they're wobbling back and forth, right? Well, let me tell you that I got going with Jane, and that was my, uh, my sister at the time that I was teaching, and Jane got on her little bike, and I was I was running along behind her. She was so excited to get going. And there was no part of her that that believed anything other than Mary says I can ride a bike. So I can. She jumped on the bike and without any hesitation took off and she she was going faster than I could hold on. And as a result, she took off and the girl balanced and that is the first time, I'm telling you, the first time she ever got on a bicycle, she rode it fine. And did ever, you know, has ever since, of course, she's now married with children. I'm sure she can still ride a bike. But the idea was that there was nothing holding her back from the confidence that, she, from having confidence that she could do that. No one had come along and told her uh, the pains and the misery of falling off the bike and scraping your legs. And she just had the the instruction of, you can do this. This is how it works. This is how to do it. If you will take the action that you've been given and get on the bike, then it's, you know, you're going to be fine. And she didn't express any fear and she just got on it and went. Now, that's not the experience of everybody. I realize sometimes it does take kids a little while to learn how to ride a bike. But my point is this. She didn't have any stories from other people telling her that what she was about to do was going to get her hurt. And she didn't have that piece to overcome. And so that's my first point here is that Sometimes when we are stepping into something new or trying to figure out what to do with a family member or for school or in our parenting or things like that, sometimes we take other people's random experiences and throw it into our future so we can trip over it. And I want to say to you in the most gentle way possible that this is not kindness. It's not kindness to others. It's not kindness to ourselves. You know, if I had chosen to do that with Jane learning to ride a bike, I might have started her lesson off with how my brother Frank once went over a little dirt hill on our lawn, landed on a garden rake, popped the tire, flew over the handlebars, knocked himself out and gave himself a concussion. So, yay, 
uh, don't do that, Jane. Ready, set, go. <laughs> or I could have told her all about disasters that I've read about where people who enjoy biking and ride on the road have been killed tragically by vehicles not paying attention and now go off and have fun. Or I could have told her how many times I had fallen from my own bicycle, scraped my knees and elbows and how much it hurt. But the truth is, would any of those stories or any of those pieces of information really help her learn how to ride a bike? You know, it might help her if she did start to fall down for me to say, hey, this is normal. Like, there's a lot of people learning who learn to ride a bike that fall down. That would be normal. But to start off at the very beginning and say, hey, let me tell you about all the the awful circumstances that come with riding bikes. No, of course not. What would we do instead? Well, I think in those moments, it's really easy to see how we would choose kindness. Let's first define kindness as being friendly, generous, and considerate. In that moment, kindness is to address issues as they come up, not scare her before she gets on the bicycle. The question here, though, is really is not just about bikes, but it's about practical application in our own lives. How do we set ourselves up to be successful in our families without scaring ourselves with other people's experiences? Well, here's some practical applications of kindness that I have really incorporated into my own life. Staying off the news. (laughs) So much of the news is just unnecessary. It's sensationalism. It's Um, It's hyped up, you know, never before in the history of the world have we ever been able to get so much information about what's going on in other parts of the world. And yes, there are aspects of that that can be valuable. But I also think that what we listen to right now is a lot of how can we scare you to death before you go to take care of your family today? Um. You can quit listening to police scanners unless you're a police officer. You can stop reading the details of every single school shooting. You can, I'm not saying not be aware of it, but we don't need to dwell on various mass public atrocities unless you have a clear purpose towards taking action to support somebody in that area then you're just spending time scaring yourself to death in preparation for the next day. And action doesn't even require all of the details. You know, you can still send money to someone who's really hurting without knowing all of the devastation that occurred to them. In fact, it would be more supportive to them to send the money and more supportive to you to not spend all the time absorbing all the pain that they have gone through. That's not going to support your family. It's not going to support your relationship with your spouse or your loved ones, or even your ability to be productive that day. You know, kindness is being friendly to our brains by choosing carefully what we dwell on. If you want to believe good things can happen that day, then the best way to do that is building a pile of good things references that you can think about a track record, a, a pile, of, a library of inspiring things that have happened, ways that God has met you, ways that he's shown up for you, ways that you've made progress in the past. 
And most of that, I'm going to tell you, isn't on the news. (laughs) You're going to have to find them somewhere else, like podcasts or books or friends' successes, um, things that have happened when you've gone to church or school and things have gone well. Maybe you went to the store and you all had a great time, or maybe you just remember the fact that you've gone to to a particular mall for the last 10 years and not a single time that you've ever gone there has something bad happened to you. You know, there's places we can see a positive track record to give us courage, but it ain't on the TV. It's not in the news and you, most of the time, and it's worth searching for to build that stockpile of positive things that have gone on so that you can get about being friendly to your own brain when you get ready to go do the next thing in life. So kindness is being friendly, generous, and considerate with your own mind by refusing to dwell on the calamities and tragedies of others. And to recap that first point, we want to have kindness instead of taking other people's random experiences and throwing them into our future so that we can trip over them. So I want to ask you what one way can you take action in the area of kindness today and choose to watch or listen to something that is friendly and generous to your own mind? Just one action. And we're going to move on to our second point, which is very similar in that the other thing that we do is we take our own past painful experiences and throw them into our future so that we can trip over them. So the first one was about other people's experiences. This is about your own experiences. Listen, if you pay attention to this podcast long enough, you're going to discover that I had a roller coaster life as a teenager. I was probably closest to a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde personality when I was young. And it created a lot of confusion between how my parents saw who I was and how other people at church or at schools or around in the community really saw who I was. Because I was a person that I was all out serving the Lord one second, running away from home the next second, full of life and inspiration and motivation one day and in full-blown depression in the depths of despair the next day. I'm sure I'll sprinkle lots of stories from this time period here and there throughout this podcast as we go along. But for today's podcast episode, it's just really important that you know that I ran away from home several times as a kid. My poor parents is, and I'll just back up and say, as a parent myself now, I cannot imagine the stress I would be under if my kid started running away from home when she was seven. But that's what I did. I started running away from home when I was seven. I ran away from from home again when I was a teenager, at least twice. And here is a story disclaimer. Remember, we have different little nuances to this story, and I am doing my best to be accurate. But I think what we can agree on is that my parents and I in those times did not get along. And then we would get along, and it would be great. 
And then I would explode or they would explode or we would all explode and it would be awful. And then it would be fine. And I would be going to church or leading a music thing and then it would be awful again. And I would be throwing things in the house. You know, as a 13 year old, my parents made this huge transition for our family. I went from public school in seventh grade to homeschool in eighth grade. My dad that year got laid off and changed jobs to a new position in Puerto Rico, where we went to live for nine months of the year, coming back home in the summers. My mother had her last two babies while we were doing this back and forth thing from Georgia to Puerto Rico. And while parts of that life were super dreamy, like snorkeling and spelunking, exploring new cultures, walking the streets of old San Juan, checking out the giant forts that are there in the middle of the night, meeting new people, tons of cool stuff. There were other parts that were pure hell. Changes, drastic changes in my responsibilities, in the music we listened to, in the clothes that we considered okay, and in basically how we did all of life. And I was in a different country. I had been like, I wasn't with my friends. I wasn't in the school or the church or the community that I had grown up in. It was a huge transition. Additionally, the last two babies that my mom had were not easy pregnancies for her for a variety of reasons, but I found myself feeling a weight of responsibility for my siblings that felt overwhelming at times, especially when they wouldn't listen to me. Now, I was bossy, and so I understand now why they didn't listen to me, but my experience at the time was that I felt like I was supposed to have authority and then didn't really. (laughs) I can honestly say, though, that I think my mother would agree. We have a great relationship when we don't live together, but we operate very differently, and when we shared the same space, it was extremely hard. I think there was relief for both of us when I got married and we could both run our households how we wanted to. (laughs) And I share this part of the story with you because this is my past experience of living in my home. Listen, my parents are not bad parents. They're amazing parents. They did a lot of things right. They made a lot of sacrifices for us that were difficult choices because their heart's desire was that we would love God more more than anything else if they could teach us to really love the Lord, then that would be satisfying to them. But there was also a lot of stress and traumatic feelings there as well. So why do I tell you all this backstory? Remember, the point is, We don't want to take our own past experiences and throw them into the future to trip over them. So I share this past story because last year, my family with seven kids and my husband and I moved from New Hampshire and moved back into my parents' home. They offered us very generously a place, a transitional landing space for our family of nine And strangely, I didn't want to go. (laughs) I was scared. And why? Why was it that I was scared? They were being super generous. I'm my own. I'm an adult now. I've got, I've got seven kids, an eight year, 18 year old. I mean, we, 
we've we've been out on our own for a long time now. <laughs> but I was scared because I was taking my past experience and throwing it into the future and tripping over it. In fact, immediately I began to feel the stress of feeling unsuccessful as a teen and imagining that it would be that way again. I tell you, I could really get worked up, cold sweat, heart racing, panic at times, going back to my childhood home 24 years later. We're different people now, though. My parents are different in a lot of ways. They've grown and matured and have different skill sets and tools that they didn't have before. And I'm the same way. My family's the same way. My husband and my kids. I am not the same person that I was in a lot of ways as a teenager. Now, there's still a lot of things that are the same, but, we ha- but we've done this growing and maturing. We've learned how to have conversations, most importantly, how to talk about what's not working, how to give each other space and grace for weirdness and like, I don't understand what kind of alien you are when you decide that that's the way you do something. <laughs> I think we all feel that way sometimes about other people in our lives, don't we? Like, I just don't get you. It's not a bed of roses, but it wasn't anywhere close to awful as I have memories of the, you know, some of those difficult moments in my teenage years. And so repeatedly, I would catch myself feeling this past year as if I was a teen again, experiencing the longing to leave and go my own way, to run away again, like that knee jerk reaction, as well as the exhausted emotions from fighting all too often with them. I'd remember those things from years ago and then project them onto some conversation we were about to have about, you know, food and what my kids were or were not eating or things that they left different places around the house, presupposing that it was going to be terrible, ineffective, discouraging, and eventually I just have to pack my suitcase and run away. Well, when I dwelt on it, The dwelling made it so much scarier and, frankly, impossible to succeed. But in those moments where I realized, hey, I'm a quarter century down the road here, and we are all more mature than we were then, and I am not the same person that I used to be. I have a whole different skill set. They have a whole different skill set. And then I would recognize how much I was just scaring myself by pretending that we were about to go through these same scenarios again. The key sentence was to remember, this was is not that. This is not that. Where are you projecting your past into your future and then scaring yourself silly? You know, sometimes we just, we know what we need to do and we don't want to do it. And sometimes we scare ourselves silly so that it gives us a reason to back out of taking action where we really need to. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with one of your children, but you know that they've reacted a certain way before. And you remember how that conversation went and you start conjuring up all the feelings of the frustration and the stress and the anxiety. And I tell you, you can scare yourself right out of having a conversation that is really necessary and valuable for your relationship. But this is not that. Each moment is something new. And 
if we take a deep breath, remember that this is not that. We can let that in, this new incident play out all on its own. And that is kindness. It's kindness to ourselves and kindness to others to set those panicky feelings aside, those memories that we have where we have had a difficulty or a conflict before, set those aside and say, this is not the same situation. I can do this. I have new tools. I have new skill sets. This is a new day. God is bringing new mercies into this. It's kindness to leave those things in the past. So those are the two tips for today on a creative way of how to be kind to yourself that not only helps you, but it really does help the relationships around you. So what are they? Well, the first one is don't take other people's past experiences and throw them into your future so you can trip over them. That's not kindness. And the second one is don't take your own past experiences and throw them into your future so that you can trip over them. That is not kindness. This moment is not that moment. Kindness is choosing to treat your own new steps, actions, and endeavors with friendliness, generosity, and consideration. So what one takeaway do you have from this episode? Where can you set down those experiences and let this new venture stand all on its own? The new thing that you're doing today, or maybe it's trying again on something. Maybe it's not new. It's something that you've tried before and you just are ready to try it again. Where can you see one or two positive outcomes or remember some success that you've had before or notice progress that you've made that gives you courage that you can keep making progress? That's kindness for courage to take action and move forward. What's your one takeaway? I would love to hear it. Please feel free to join me over at fruitpursuitpodcast.com and leave me a comment. Let me know how you're choosing kindness today. And I look forward to sharing again with you next week. We'll cover quite a few other tactics that maybe you haven't heard before around kindness for the next several episodes. Take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?